This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a podcast by The Straits Times Sports Desk. I'm Nicole Chia and I'm with Assistant Sports Editor Rohit Bridgnath today. Hey Nicole, good to be here. Good to have you. The theme of our show today is mental toughness and we'll start off by talking about Liverpool's match yesterday. Yeah, I thought I think it's really interesting at the end of the season. I think everybody's looking at it. Everybody's on tenterhooks. Everybody's nervous. Doesn't matter whether you're from City or for Liverpool. One of the keys, of course, I think is luck and so we have to see whether Liverpool has good luck or not. Many years ago, Steven Gerrard slipped. That was bad luck. Yesterday, Morrison from Cardiff, you know, missed the open goal, you know, with a, you know he missed his header. So that was good luck for Liverpool. But I think mental toughness is, you know, just an ability to stay calm and to believe when the going gets tough and the going is going to get tough. I mean, even uh, yesterday against Cardiff, they took a, a while to score a goal, but they didn't panic and I thought that was a very good sign. It's difficult for a team if you haven't done it for so long because people keep saying it. So if you open the newspapers or you put on the television or you're on radio, people are always saying, oh, they haven't done it for so long. It's 29 years. It's so long. So many generations, so many teams. Can this team do it? And so you have to feel that pressure and, you know, it builds on you. So I think the manager's job really in many ways is keeping his team calm, saying, look, you played really well for the whole season. You can do it. And the fact is, everybody, you know, there's a first time for all players and all teams. And so it can be done. And, you know, Leicester City won. So why can't they? But I think it's a question of keeping cool. I think as when you're down a goal, when you haven't got a goal for many minutes, it's just a ability to play as a team, do all the things that you've practiced. Don't go off plan. I think that's the key thing. So Manchester City has four games left while Liverpool has three. So in this case, do you think it's easier to be the one in front or to be the one chasing? I actually think that there has to be more pressure on City because number one, you've got more games left. That means more chances to make an error, more chances for things to go wrong. I also think City losing in the Champions League, you know, which psychologically has to hurt them a little bit and puts a little pressure because now they have to win this trophy. There's also pressure because they won before. Unlike Liverpool, so the expectations are slightly heavier on City. But I think that's the job of the manager. I mean, you can pay so much money is to calm your team. So I, got, I, I like this. I think sport should be tense. Sport should have pressure. You know, it's what you do under pressure which counts the most. So I think they both got pressure. I think City has got slightly more pressure. But for me, it's incredibly exciting. And I think the thing is that nobody wants to make a mistake here. Yeah? No player wants to be the one who scores her own goal at this time or whatever or miss tackles and leads to a goal or you don't want to be a goalkeeper who lets a you know, ball through. So everything is very heightened. Everything, everything is very heightened and sport becomes really watchable. Well, Liverpool haven't won the title since 1990 and Manchester City are looking to retain their title. So let's see who keeps their nerve at the end. Now, if you like our sports podcast so far, do subscribe to A Game of Two Halves on Apple's iTunes or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation on mental toughness, where we talk about sprinter Shanti Pereira, who recently shattered her own 100-metre national record. So Shanti is heading into the SEA Games this year in December. And in 2017, she went from delight to disappointment, broke the 100-metre national record, but didn't retain her 200-metre title. And this time, she started the year pretty strong. So, you know, what do you think of how she has bounced back from all the injury woes and bad publicity surrounding Singapore athletics? I like Shanti. I mean, I, I like all athletes who are trying to chase a better timing, you know, just trying to be better. And because there is no guarantee that you are going to be faster, but they believe it. Some of the other athletes have, I would call it an extraordinary act of faith that they go to practice every day thinking they're going to be faster. 
And it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you know, I think athletes plateau. They go through months. They go through years where their timing doesn't get faster. I mean, Joseph Schooling's uh, timing from the Olympics in Rio in 2016, he hasn't better that timing. And it's not that he's not trying. But, you know, you need so many things to come together, you know. And so athletes will try different things, you know. Maybe, you know, you should talk about some of the things that uh, I think you wrote in your story today about some of the things that Shanti did to make herself faster. Yeah, so Shanti told me yesterday that she has been working more on biomechanics and strength and conditioning side. So her strength and conditioning coach incorporates elements of speed and reaction into her workouts. Because, you know, for an event like the sprints, you need those quick bursts of energy. And for the biomechanics side, they've been doing more tests on how high her leg is or how far she pushes. Things like that. So it's those little details that, yeah, that make the difference. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me because I think it's all these little elements, you know. I mean, it could be, you know, your starting position could be, as you said, you know, how high your leg is. You know, it could be how you're coming up, you know, in the start. You're supposed to stay low and then come up in the 100 meters. And I think it's just getting all the little, it's not just getting the details right. It is then translating those details into a race because practice is one thing. I mean, you know, you can go to practice. It doesn't work out. You can come back to practice and try it again. But once you go to a race, you're not, go. you know, the next chance may be two months away. So you want to get everything right in a race. Do all the right things. Make And of course, psychologically, and we come back to the same point, you know, mental toughness, you know. One of the nice things she said, which I, I read in your story, is that she said her mind was blank, which is really what you want. You want to be thinking about nothing. Just let yourself go. Let all the training show. Let your instinct take, take over. You don't want, you know, different voices in your head, you know, telling you different things, which is what happens to athletes. Yeah, that's right. And what her coach told me also is that what you said about translating the good times from training into a race itself. So her coach, Margaret O oh, said, maybe in a race, it's better because the environment is different. Your competitors are there pushing you to get better. Whereas if you just train alone or you're running on your own, there may not be that extra push or extra competitiveness. And I think what's also interesting is that even though she set a national record, she did say that she made one or two mistakes in a start. So that what that tells her also is that, look, I've gone faster than I've ever been, but I made some mistakes. That means if I sort of iron out those mistakes, I can go even faster. And so I think this is a great example of mental toughness. And I think another area where we're going to see mental toughness this summer is on the tennis clay court circuit, you know, where your great favorite Mr. Nadal is struggling a little bit at the moment. But, you know, this is his surface and he is the toughest guy in tennis. Yes, Nadal might be struggling a little bit at the moment, but it's only the start of the clay court season. And heading into Roland Garros, where he already has 11 titles there, we know that's where he's most comfortable. And even his competitors say, like, it's playing a different Rafa when they face him on the opposite side of the net so I have no doubt that he will be back yeah I think he's in a lot of pain I think you know his legs are giving him a little bit of trouble as they often do but I think the key for him in Roland Garros which which is of course for me the five sets because you know it's one thing to play one and a half or two good sets against Nadal but to play three good sets against him and to expect him to play badly for three sets is something very difficult but I think he's got a big challenge on his hands and I think again that's what Nadal thrives on you know he thrives on challenge so does Djokovic who after winning the Australian Open seems to have had a little bit of a dip Federer of course is not around at the moment but he is going to play some clay so I think these guys who are all struggling in different ways and they've got the young guys pushing them as well but I think what separates them is their experience and their experience is their toughness Yep so it'll be an exciting clay court season to look forward to. Thanks Rohit, that's a great point to ponder for the clay court season. That's the final whistle for a game of two halves. Do subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. 
do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.